you know, Morgan Freeman is, is giving this very convincing delivery as a scientist or a professor at a, a thing. And, and you're like, well, it's supposed to be very, um, uh, uh, what's the word you used? Um, very, uh, um, intellectual, intellectual. Yes. It's supposed to be a thing that I am not. Uh, <laughs> Dodge this. I am the father. Oh. I'm here on a mission of mercy. There's only one God, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the real world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 101 of the Movie Bite podcast. We're going to talk about some movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Wednesday, August the 13th, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today is the man who I believe is using more than uh, more than 90% of his brain, probably 100% of his brain, I'd say. Um, but I'm not sure it makes him human anymore. It is Joe Darnell. We're just voices, TJ. This is not reality. You don't know what you're talking about. You and I are one. We are in another place. This is not what it used to be. Podcasting is not what it is. It's never what it was before or what it ever shall be. Um, am I Lucy? I don't know. Okay, then. That, that was an interesting uh, monologue there. I'm not sure what it means, but um, I guess that's well, because... Well, you're not you... using all your brain capacity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my! Uh, we're, we'll we'll get to that. I, I have a lot to say about that, and we'll get to that. I I've, yeah. I was okay. Gonna, yeah, I was that, was, to, that was just a teaser. Yeah, yeah, it was for sure. Um, so how are you, Joe? I'm doing great, TJ. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Um, I've I've just pulled together a few things for the show. I wanted to write my review before the show, but I just never got around to it. Maybe you'll get to. Maybe, maybe you should write this review. I don't know. Uh, uh maybe. I have a lot of thoughts about the film. I've already got probably 800 words and notes. <laughs> yeah, that's good because I haven't had time to type up my notes at all. I, I've had a busy week. I, I had to um, I had to be home Monday night um, for uh, my wife because she had a thing that she had to go to, so I had to watch the kids. I wasn't able to watch it over the weekend, uh, Lucy, over the weekend because we actually got a really good deal on a vehicle that was two states away that we had to go and get, and I did a lot of driving this past weekend. So the first Good. Was, what did you get? It is a uh, 2005 Dodge Caravan. Um, it was a really good deal. It had a leaking radiator, um, and so Ooh. well, we put a radiator in it. So uh, we're good okay. to go. Dodge Caravan. Yeah, my mom and dad had a lot of bad experience with those in the early '90s. I sure hope it turns well, out better for you. There are better vans than they used to be. The, the biggest challenge yeah. used to be. Uh, well, is this is this the accidental car show? I mean, yes, <laughs> um, the accidental car podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, they used to have lots of transmission problems. Those have kind of been resolved. We had a '99 Plymouth Voyager, which is the same van, comes off the same assembly line. They just put a different sticker on it. The, the Chrysler put the Plymouth sticker on it instead of the Dodge sticker on it. Uh, and it has not had really any trouble, but it has 260,000 miles and it just keeps having little things that just keep bothering us. And the, 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 the material on the uh, top of the, uh, uh, ceiling is falling down and it <laughs> rubs your head when you get in and it's been really annoying. And we've been looking for a good, uh, replacement vehicle. Uh, that reminds and, me of growing up. That's, that was my childhood. <laughs> Yes, so uh, it is. It is. I'll move on in a second. This 2005 is in really good shape. Um, low, mi- well, low for 
low for us, low mileage for us. Let's put it that way. And uh, runs really well. And the radiator was the only problem. So. Anyway, that's what I was doing this weekend. So the first opportunity that that was what I was going with that was the first opportunity I had to see Lucy was last night. Um, Hmm. I got home and prepared a few posts for Movie Bite, went to bed and went straight to work and got home a couple hours ago and had to put some things together for the show, uh, which we'll hear in a moment. Uh, So I have not had a chance even to write many notes. I've got a few notes about Lucy, but uh, hopefully it's fresh enough in my mind that I can I can kind of bounce off of you a little bit. And I do have a lot of thoughts that I'm hoping that they will congeal. So good. Okay. Yeah, I actually talked with a couple of friends about Lucy because it was something I thought that they probably had seen before me, and I wasn't wrong. They they had some thoughts too, and I wanted to bump some of those uh, ideas off of our review discussion here. So, but first, we have some really gloomy news to uncover before we get to the review. Um, I'm pretty sad to hear about this, TJ, and yeah. I know that this is really moving a lot of the people who care about movies and pay attention to movie news this week. Uh, Robin Williams died on Monday and it appears to be from apparent suicide and he was found in his home. And uh, now at this, at the moment, it seems like the whole world is uh, sympathizing with the family because I can't think of many people who don't like some role that Robin Williams has played. Yeah, I only sure. know I only know of one person who just has a disliking for his acting. Something about him that just irks this individual. Um, but uh, everyone else has a lot of adoration for the guy. Yeah, he's really done some great performances. Yeah, he certainly has. And and in light of those great performances, I have just a few clips that I pulled together here. That's what I was pulling together just before the show. So let's take a listen to that, and uh, we'll be right back. And the Oscar goes to. Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. This might be the one time I'm speechless. You work out, huh? What, you lift? Yeah. Yeah, Nautilus? No, free weights. Oh, really? Yeah, free weights, huh? Yeah, big time. Yeah? Just like that. What do you bench? 285. What do you bench? You paint that? Oh, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish, cause I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck. Hang on a second. Whoa! Whoa! Does it feel good to be out of there? Monkeys! Monkeys! Is he all right upstairs? Uh, he suffered a head injury a few months ago. Today we're going to be talking about William Shakespeare. Oh, I know. A lot of you look forward to this about as much as you look forward to root canal work. We're going to talk about Shakespeare as someone who writes something very interesting. Now, many of you have seen Shakespeare done very much like this. Oh, Titus, bring your friend hither. <laughs> but if any of you have seen Mr. Marlon Brando, no, that Shakespeare can be different. Friends, Romans, countrymen, let me rest. You can also imagine maybe John Wayne is Macbeth going, well, is this a dagger I see before me? <laughs> Why do I stand up here? 
Anybody. To feel taller. No. Thank you for playing, Mr. Dalton. I stand upon my desk to remind myself that we must constantly look at things in a different way. Eat your heart out, you crinkled, wrinkled, fat cat. You're a very ill-mannered young man. You're you know a that? slug and worm. Come on, you can do better than that. Can't believe you're encouraging. Yeah, yes, yeah, show me your fastball dust brain, you paunchy sag bottom puke pot. You are a very poor role model for these kids. You know that. I bet you don't even have a fourth grade reading level. Hemorrhoidal suck navel. Well, maybe a fifth grade reading level. Boil dripping beef fart sniffing bubble butt. Someone has a severe caca mouth. Do you know that? You are a fart factory. Slug slime sack of rat guts and cat vomit. Cheesy scab picked pimple squeezing finger bandage. A week old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. Yeah! Substitute chemistry teacher. Come on, Rubio, hit a mat. Mung tongue. Math tutor. Pinhead. Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. In your face, camel cake. In your rear, cow derriere. Lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude. Make a right, Peter! You man! Stupid, stupid man! Rufio, if I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? You two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium brain, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy! What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is. That's a paramecium. It's a one-celled critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. I made a friend. If you made a friend, why are you so sad? Well, sir, I lost him. Can't you make another? No, sir. Well, I could, but I haven't got the heart for it. What do you mean? Well, sir... You know, when you create someone and you nurture them, they grow. Well, there comes a time when they, they have to lead their own life. Or, or die their own death. And now your friend is gone forever? Oh, no, sir. No. I'll always keep him right here. <laughs> Till next week, sir. No, no. All right, that was uh, just a few clips from uh, Rob, uh, the, the, just some of the work of Robin Williams over the years. Some of the ones that I've known of, I've listened to, and or of course I've watched. And uh, um, that was really good. Did you cut that together? I did. I, I, I searched, scoured YouTube for some clips that I, you know, and, and looked for specific ones. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, um, we, we got Popeye in there. You, you got uh, that, that last Peter clip was Pan. From, yes, Peter Pan. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, there was uh, uh, Hook. The man in Jumanji. Yes. Um, and, and then there was uh, – the, the last clip was from Mork and Mindy, which I thought was was really fitting, even though I've, like, seen, like, very, very little. Like, I have no – very barely any memory of, at all of what – I know I, like, seen some of it, but, um, you know, so – but it seemed like a very fitting clip, so I threw it in there. Oh, and, of course, the genie, uh, you know. Of course. Yeah. That was my introduction to him as a child. Yes, me too. And, uh, and I have to admit that uh, he made one of the most profound impressions on me of any cartoon character. 10,000 years will give you such a kink in the neck. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I really loved him as a genie. And I, I remember being really, really, really upset 
when the in in Aladdin two and, and to the to the point that I I don't even remember much of Aladdin two and I wouldn't even watch it at first uh, because they replaced Robin Williams with uh, Homer Simpson. That and, was during Disney's really disgusting spell yeah. of just making spinoff sequels for no good reason except to milk the machine. Yeah, what, what's the guy's name that plays Homer Simpson? Whatever his his actor that actor is. Um, and yeah, it was it was uh, yeah. In fact, I, none of the Aladdins after the first one were any good. But even though they did get Robin Williams back, and, and or it's Peter funny, Pan's or Cinderella's, uh, yes. Or, but but it's funny, like, I knew the name Robin Williams connected with the genie, and I, at that time, I was not paying attention to names, but somehow I knew that name. Um, and, uh, he, you know, it was, uh, it was something special for me. Um, all, all the clips in there, except for one or two, uh, are, are movies that I, you know, identified with growing up or, or like, or I'm close to, uh, certainly Hook, uh, one of, one of my favorite performances, even though the movie as as a movie may not be great the movie is certainly something that's special to me from my childhood um and popeye too for that matter uh, it's it's quirky it's weird um it, it, it and, and most people don't think it's a great movie but i think you know it it's it's a difference because it's like part of my childhood like i grew up with this movie it, it's nostalgic um and uh you know there's there's other movies too that that uh, robin williams has been in that i didn't get in there like mrs doubtfire um you know night at the museum teddy roosevelt's uh you know, he's been. I was looking through his IMDb profile, Joe. There is a lot of movies he's been in, and um, he's been a very consistent actor. You have to admit that. Oh yeah, there haven't been this many comedians that could be this well-rounded, this gifted, this talented from the you know the early '80s to the present. Well, it's one of those things too, where at least from what I understand, that most of the time he had a general idea of the script, but he didn't memorize his lines as you know just every single word in the line. Like he would ad lib it, or he would change it, or he would make it work, and they they would usually just go with it. Once in a while, they'd have to ask him to you know, oh, can you do it the way we had in the script because this is actually very important. But normally, he just had a really good sense. I mean, and that comes from his 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 stand up days, his improv days. Uh, which he still did off and on, and and even recently, what did he uh, did an improv thing? Um, yeah. You know, just he's he was a he was a great comedian too. Um, so uh, it, it's kind of interesting how, and a lot of people have been talking about this, and I guess we're just piggybacking on that. But it's kind of interesting how he's this great comedian, but it's almost as if his performances in I mean, look at look at something like Mrs. Doubtfire, where yes, he was funny. Um, you know, and, and slapstick and everything, but there's almost an underlying tension under that, uh, you know, an underlying, uh, uh, darkness that, that kind of fuels that performance. And, and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the, the sad circumstances surrounding his death and, and the, they did confirm uh, that it was indeed a suicide that, that, you know, uh, and it, and it's no secret that he was uh, facing depression and things uh, that he had d- dealt with in the past and substance abuse. So it's it's just a really sad affair, and and uh, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about since Monday, just because uh, you know we've we've lost a several good actors, a couple of good actors this year, and and he's certainly at the top of that list. So, right uh, at the end of, the, of an article on Rotten Tomatoes, they said Williams has been open about his struggles with sobriety and was reportedly suffering from depression recently. The Marin County Sheriff's Department said in a statement that they will investigate the cause of his death. Williams is survived by his wife, Susan Snyder, and three children from two previous marriages. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. And he had three films that are still in production, uh, uh, Night at the Museum, Part 3, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the other two. 
Um, absolutely anything. Uh, he's the voice of Dennis the dog. I know nothing about this movie. And a Merry Friggin' Christmas. Um, I'm trying to look here. What is The Angriest Man in Brooklyn is also 2014. That may have already come out. I'm looking oh, okay. at the release date on that. Yeah, that was May. Um, so, yeah, the three movies are Merry Friggin' Christmas, which doesn't sound great. Uh, Night <laughs> of the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. Uh, he plays again Teddy Roosevelt. And uh, absolutely anything, he stars as a voice of Dennis the Dog. Do we know if these films were already through principal photography? Correct. Or? Yes. Um, okay. it, they're all listed as post-production, uh, okay. which, which means that um, principal photography is complete. Now, obviously he's a voice in, in, you know, the absolutely anything. So that's not a, a, a big deal either, either. Um, and it, it is scheduled to come out in 2015 sometime. It stars Kate Beckinsale, Simon Pegg, Robin Williams. Um, I, so I suppose it's an animated film is what it looks like. Yeah. I, well, I'm not really seeing, sad. yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of information on that. Well, are you ready to move on to something else or? Yeah, it's too depressing. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, you know, uh, I mean, cut you off or anything. I'm just thinking that at this point, I think we'll hear a lot more about Robin Williams in the coming weeks and I'm still absorbing its impact. You know, he, he was a part of my childhood entertainment. Yeah, you know, uh, just one more note before we move on, uh, just in, in that kind of vein. Um, I, okay. I watched a clip of Conan, which I, I don't watch Conan uh, O'Brien like as uh, a thing, but I tend to find clips of, of his show that I that I like or, you know, especially if he has a guest on that I'm interested in or whatever. And so I clicked on the clip, you know, when I saw it come around of where he found out live on the show about Robin Williams. And it's the first time I've ever seen him stammer and stutter and he was just kind of, you know, didn't know what to say. Uh, I, I think that that's really just the general reaction where I don't think any of us were really expecting somebody who seemingly was so full of life and happiness as Robin Williams to, to uh, have you know taken his own life. So uh, that's kind of the general reaction of everybody. And, and, and I don't want to – you know it's good that you're moving us on because I don't want to dwell on it. But those are, okay. those are the last thoughts I have. So if you have any other thoughts and then we'll move on. No, I'm ready. Um, okay, so the next story up is that everyone involved in Galaxy Quest is interested in a sequel. Yes, now, that's according to Jermaine Lucier over at Slash Film. Uh, you know, it was come out in 1999. This is this is a film. It's interesting. Um, some some really big Star Trek guys. I know uh, a guy who we've had on the show in the past, uh, Anthony Pascal of TrekMovie.com, has said it's the best Trek Star Trek movie that was never you know a Star Trek movie. <laughs> Well, clearly it was a comedy. It's got Tim yes. Allen, Alan Rickman, Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Correct. I can't never spell that. Pronounce that. Sam Rockwell, Justin Long. Yes. I never, I never saw this film. Have you? Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Honest to God, I mean, like this film just <laughs> never came up. I, I think I've heard of the name, but I probably got it confused for being some sci-fi channel television show thing. Okay, and Joe. when I heard of it, I Joe. just thought, oh, well, I'm ignoring that. Joe, Joe, oh my goodness, Joe. Wow, Joe, you've not seen Galaxy Quest? It looks, it just by looking at the cover art, it looks as bad as Mars Attacks. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You have to see this movie. In fact, you were complaining about, you know, that we're reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles next week. Well, maybe you could get me to compromise and we could go with Galaxy Quest. Ooh, okay. I'm down with that. Or maybe we can do both. Because because <laughs> I, I expect to just rag on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for about 15 minutes and then not have any more material. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll think about that. I'm not promising anything, but I, I would be up for reviewing Galaxy Quest. I haven't seen it in, oh, I don't know, a couple of years. Um, mm. it, okay, it, so then, yeah. it, it has its flaws, but it's a fantastic movie. Okay. Um, and it came out in 1999. 
1999 gave us several good movies, according to Jermaine. <laughs> uh, certainly, it gave us The Matrix, which was a wonderful uh, movie. Um, I don't actually recognize many of the other movies that he mentioned. Uh, obviously, Fight Club. Being John um, Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. Um, you know, but this movie, um, it, it, it's certainly uh, – it, it's it's definitely a parody. There's no doubt about that. It's a parody mostly of Star Trek but a little bit of Star Wars and, and sci-fi in general. And obviously, you know, you've got Sigourney Weaver in there. Um, Sam Rockwell, of course, is uh, you know known for his comedy. Um, Justin Long, who we is better known as the 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 uh, Mac ad uh, guy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Mac, you know. So he must have been a kid back then. Yeah, and, and of course, of course, Tim Allen. Um, and it's just a fantastic movie. You know, it kind of sneaks up on you, and, and it has a really good, solid. Um, uh, what would you say, story? Even though it, it, it is funny it, it, and it is humorous, huh. um, it really kind of sneaks up on you and, and grabs you, you know, with a story. Well, now, you said it's sort of parodying um, sci-fi, but would you say it's actually very closely parodying any given one? Star Trek. Okay, so that's for, for sure. sure. Okay. For sure. You know, there, there's a there's a line, um, uh, there's several lines like this in the movie, but there's one particular where they, you know, uh, Sigourney Weaver and Tim Allen have to uh, go through and, and get to a certain part of the engineering, and there's there's chompy, crushy, stompy things, and and <laughs> that's what Sigourney Weaver calls them. She goes, "Why must there be chompy, crunchy, you know, st- I'm gonna stompy die, things. you know?" And and uh, Tim Allen's like, "Because that's the way it was in episode, you know, ninety four or whatever it was. I, I forget the exact line, but." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah i mean because so the premise i don't want to give too much away because i want you to to see it but i mean i think this this much almost anybody should know uh the premise is that these are these were actors in a television show much like star trek and it got canceled but then aliens picked up the actual you know broadcast and patterned their entire society and their ships and everything after the broadcast thinking they were real uh history of of, of earth um, well, it seems like this is almost a surefire thing now because the producers, the director, and the m- main cast are all talking about the sequel, even if it was something as lighthearted as interviews for MTV. And, you know, just seeing as how you already got the producer and the director talking about it, it seems like there's a good chance for you the would sequel. Think, but they've been talking about it for years, Joe. Uh, I know that everybody keeps talking about them wanting a sequel, but nobody ever does one. And that's what's frustrating. I mean, it's not really up to the producers or the directors. It's up to the studios who own the, the IP. Um, and, and, and I said, and when I posted this link on movie, Bite, I'm like, why hasn't this happened yet? And who do I need to bribe to make it a thing? <laughs> huh. uh, cause I oh, really, okay. I, I really think that there's something there to, to, to work with. Um, I, I would really be happy with that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, in other news, turtles tops guardians with 65 million. Yes, this it does. Was reported by Lindsay Barr at entertainment weekly turtle powers does exist after all. The heroes in a half shell surpassed industry and analyst expectations by more than 20 million, raking in an estimated 65 million in its first weekend in theaters, with an additional 28.7 million from 19 international territories. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which cost 125 million to produce, has earned 93.7 million globally. No wonder Paramount has already announced. Plans for a summer 2016 sequel. Yes, this does not make me very happy. And the worst part is that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy took second place this weekend. It is Guardians' second week, and Turtles did not make as much in its first week as Guardians of the Galaxy did. But it's still disappointing that even in its second week, Guardians of the Galaxy took in less than the Heroes in a Half Shell. 
Um, and, and but I, you got to remember, this, go ahead. Turtles were a part of everybody's childhood from the eighties, and whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is a product of the eighties, and we're just seeing it come out now to the mainstream to really hit it big. So it seems like anybody and everybody who was, you know, a, you know growing up in the eighties and early nineties, they watched Ninja Turtles. I remember seeing oh, those yeah. toys at every yard sale. It seems like everybody had the video game. Even the, if, if you had a, a regular Nintendo, the original SNES, you had super Mario brothers, duck hunt, and probably super Metroid Zelda or the Ninja Turtles game. I'm raising my hand. I know you can't, you guys can't see it because I'm, you know, audio, this is theater of the mind, but I'm raising my hand to, to, to that. I had a original super Nintendo entertainment system. I had uh, Mario and duck hunt and I had super Mario brothers three. And my friend had the uh, teenage mutant Ninja Turtles game, which we played all the time. Um, I, I, and it's funny, I've watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't remember much about it and I didn't watch it religiously, but I've watched, I mean, it was certainly, you know, a, a part of my life, you know, and I don't remember much about it and I just never, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm just not drawn to this movie as, as a nostalgic thing, but maybe, maybe it will be nostalgic, but it just doesn't look like the type of movie that would be nostalgic. It looks like a modern day telling of, of the eighties turtles. I don't know. Well, I find it interesting. Our friend Michael Menkoff, who's done productions with me for Movieology's podcast, he says that he really liked the Ninja Turtles movies. Looking forward to the Guardians film. He hasn't seen it yet. And apparently it was a childhood favorite of his, too. And he thought the film is better than the critics are making it out. And that's uh, well, that's saying something for it. I'm a little bit more interested in hearing just that. Yeah, although he tends to be pretty uh, easygoing on movies, I've noticed, uh, in, in some ways at least. Um, he, uh-huh. likes, he likes several movies that I, I don't like. The critics are giving it a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, audience is at 62%, so not as high as I might have thought, actually, for, for the type of audience that would no. go see another Michael Bay film. Uh, you know, and but it's it, not a Michael Bay film. It's, well, it's what, like one of his... Yeah, but he's, his hands are pretty thick in that pie. So yeah. Okay. Michael I mean, Bay it is. Yeah, and, we'll blame it on Michael yeah, Bay. Yeah, well, anything that Michael Bay is near is usually not good. Um, except for the one exception that we've already talked about on the podcast. Uh, that was before you came back, I think, right? Uh, anyway, um, uh, that would be the island. And yeah, that was that was like the week before you came back or something. Um, yes. And then, uh, you know, it, it does also have Megan Fox, who, I'm sorry, she's not an actor. She can't act. <laughs> Well, it's not just Megan Fox that's a problem, but sure, I'll, I'll take that. But really, uh, I, and I kind of agree with you. It seems like in your notes, what kind of bugs you about this too is that it's already dethroned Guardians of the Galaxy for the yeah. number one slot yeah. in the box office. And that kind of bugs me too because Guardians of the Galaxy is clearly the better movie, people. Oh, we, so yeah, if you're and, debating which one to see and you think, well, I'm going to see Ninja Turtles – uh, TJ, would you recommend that people see Turtles or Guardians in theater? Like, okay, you know you're going to see Ninja Turtles because you're an old fan, but what about Guardians? If you had to make a choice just to see one or the other in theaters, and you know, if you're going to go see both, that's great, yeah. But if you're still debating which one to go see, I say you got my vote behind Guardians of the Galaxy because it is clearly a better film. It's clearly it has a been film. a long time since I've considered, honestly, going back to see a film twice in theaters. But Guardians of the Galaxy has got me considering it. Oh, me too. I, I really wish I had the time to see it again. 
unfortunately, you know, with the movies we have to watch for the podcast. I mean, if, if I didn't have this podcast, I would definitely go see. And I know that sounds funny. That's it's weird, right? Because I have a podcast because I love movies, and yet I can't go see Guardians of the Galaxy again because I just don't have the time because I have to see a different movie for the podcast. There's a witty joke in there somewhere right now. Clark <laughs> Douglas would be giving us to that. He would, that, wouldn't right? he? He would. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, he's he's on uh, <sighs> he's on Sigh. duty with uh, with his wife and the upcoming baby. So and the baby. Yes. Yes. It's it's a thing. Whatever. But I am happy for Disney, on the other hand, kind of like you're noting here in our notes again, that Guardians of the Galaxy pushes Disney over the one billion mark this year. And part of me loves this, part of me hates this, because I kind of hate it when, you know, to see the kinds of outrageous figures you're seeing these companies are making from blockbuster smashes. But and mm, that, that doesn't that, bother me. It, it does, but it doesn't, because think about it. Were these movies deserving of this much bang for their buck yes yes and that's why it doesn't bother me i I don't care who the company is that makes the film as much as i care about is the film that's doing well that deserves to do well and here's here's you know um so guardians has made 219.3 million globally this is this is as of monday i'm sure it's more than that by now um captain america the winter soldier is at 713.6 million maleficent which was also i thought a a severely underrated movie by the critics and a a pretty decent movie 727.9 million and frozen which is a fantastic film i I don't care what what the people say uh frozen is a fantastic film and it earned 1.27 billion worldwide so yes disney is the man or whatever but you know what they've made some really good films here and those films deserve to to be doing as good as they're doing now see that's my thing like i I don't ultimately mind that it's a company like disney that's raking in bukus of dollars what bugs me is that not one of those films is a film that you or i have given five stars for five stars and I think that that's true with the, the widest audience. Everyone pretty much says like, hey, they can admit that they're a huge fan of Frozen or the Captain America's Marvel movies. But no one is giving these films to 100% two thumbs up. Yeah, okay, right? but like, here's the deal, Joe. I, I, don't, I hardly ever give out a five star. Um, in fact, uh, I don't know that I've ever given a five star to any film that I've ever seen in the theater. Um, my five, my two five stars that I know of are, uh, Star Trek two, the Wrath of Khan and the matrix. Um, and, and, and so for me, it doesn't have to be a five star film to be considered a really good film. Captain America, the winter soldier, four and a half stars, uh, frozen. I would give four stars. I know we haven't reviewed it on this show. I don't remember what I gave Maleficent. It was like four stars. Um, so sure. I, I, and guardians of the galaxy. What didn't I give that four and a half? I think I did four, four or four and a half. Um, I gave it four. I think I, think you I did gave give it four, four and a half. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, Mikey gave it four and a half, then you gave it four. Then yeah, that's I think that's what it was, uh, and and that's the thing. Like I'm not I'm okay with this. This is fine. Okay, yeah. all right, fair enough. I I I can understand where you're coming from, and I I kind of feel like you know, at least ways we know that we're getting another Guardians movie, and that's really awesome. Captain America deserves another uh, sequel, and that's very yes. cool. Yes, so. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm just saying that like, if you could come across a studio that put out five incredibly great films that were getting four stars or more consistently, and you heard they topped $1 billion in the month of August, then I would feel like they kind of deserve it. And um, even though these are very fine films, I would not say that they deserve this much box office attention all, in, in spite of the fact, you know what, you, you know what it really comes right down to, they just have incredible marketing and star power. And that's why these films are getting the attention I, that they I get. I don't agree with that at all. 
Um, uh, incredible marketing and star power will get you into the theater, but they won't get, make you come back and see the movie again and again. They won't make you tell your friends. Look, Captain America, the Winter Soldier did not live on star power. It was a good story. Maleficent did not live on star power. It was a good story. Frozen did not live on star power. It was a good, good story. Guardians of the Galaxy, again, definitely not star power. It was the story. It's all the story, Joe. Okay, you say so. I, look, I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not trying to poo-poo on really good entertainment. I'm just saying that there are other minds out there who appreciate the fact that, yes, Frozen is really good, and it does a lot with a lot of revisited material. But at the same time, I've, I've seen you know girls, kids, moms and dads that were flat out bored with the film. And I can understand where they're coming Wait, from as film? well. Which film? Frozen. Oh, my gosh. Anybody who's bored yeah. with Frozen needs to get a life. No, maybe the problem is they have one. <laughs> no, are you saying that you're one of the board? You're one of the people. No, bored I'm frozen? not. Okay. No, no, I'm not. But I again, they made their arguments, and I could understand where they were coming from. Mm. But um, okay, I mean, to each his own. Some like hot tea, some like coffee, some like you know <laughs> stale coffee, and some like fresh coffee. Whatever. Hey, why don't we why don't we change the subject and stop arguing? Let's talk about X Men: Days of Future Past extended cut coming in 2015. Um, this is of interest to me. Uh, let me read the news and then I'll talk about it. Uh, this is according to Kevin Jagernoth over at the playlist. Um, uh, a great, you know, after, after you subscribe to movie bites, RSS feed, you should probably subscribe to the playlist feed. Anyway, um, even with home video sales continuing on a downward trajectory, Hollywood seems bound and determined to follow the same playbook they have used since the early eighties introduction of the VCR. So even though X-Men days of future past will be available digitally on September 23rd and on Blu-ray on October 20, or October 14th, Fox, has just announced that you're better off not bothering with either if you want the extra bells and whistles. Last Do we month, want the extra bells and whistles, though? Well, here's the thing. Last month, franchise producer Lauren Donner Schuler mentioned that a director's cut of X-Men Days of Future Past would be coming later this year. Now, Fox's EVP of Marketing Communications, James Finn, has clarified saying the first upcoming Days of Future Past release will have a theatrical uh, we'll have a theatrical release with extended cut dropping in 2015. So forget about that noise for a moment and let the speculation on what all the extra material might be commence. My, my issue with this is I want the extended cut and, and the studios are withholding it from me because they want me to buy it now and then buy it again when the extended cut comes out. Well, I'm not playing by that game. I'm going to wait. That, that's frustrating to me. Uh, yes, and I do want the extra bells and whistles. I like to get the bells and whistles on, on movies that I liked. And I want to see the director's cut because I know some of the material that was dropped for the theatrical cut that I want to see that's going to be in the extended cut. You know, Rogue was cut uh, um, from the... Uh, um, from 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 the uh, final uh, theatrical cut, and I want to see more. You know, I want to see her in the film. Well, she was. I guess she was actually in the end of the film, but she was had a little bit bigger part in the story, and I want to see more of that. And there's there's several scenes that I know that will be in the extended cut that I want in that extended cut, and I'm going to wait for it. Hmm, fair enough. I can totally understand why you're a huge fan of the entire franchise, pretty much, right? Um, hmm, hmm. I really like um, the second film in the franchise. The first film is okay. It's it kicked us off, and it was good for what it was. It was early on in the uh, I believe it was two thousand two. My memory serves me right. It was early on in the superhero um, uh, kind of you know coming of age story, uh, if you will, for movies. And um, yeah, back during the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Correct. Films. Yes, and and so you you know it's not quite up to the same uh, what would you say level of what we see now um but then then along came uh, it was fine i'm not saying it was bad it was fine it had its issues x-men uh 2 um 
X2 was uh, a really, really good film, and up until X-Men Days of Future Past was my favorite X-Men film. X-Men 3 was terrible, and and then um, the the Wolverine movie was not as good as I would have hoped. Um, X-Men First Class was kind of a revival, and it was fine, and it was great, and then you've got X-Men Days of Future Past, which is probably my favorite X-Men film. Uh, so that yes, uh, all that to answer your very simple question of am I a fan of the franchise? This is why I have a podcast, Joe. I, I like to well, talk. Well, the question I was going to ask though was for the people who have just seen one or two of the X Men films and missed the side films for Wolverine and the like. Do you think that they can still really appreciate Days of Future Past? If you or would they really need to see them all? If you've seen. X-Men uh, and X2, you're good to go, um, although you will get more out of them if you've seen all of them. Okay. But certainly, because that's my story. The, the first two are the only two I've seen, and you, I saw the first half of the Wolverine film. You, the should, first probably one. See day, you should probably see First Class, too. Actually, yeah, you, you'll need to see First Class. I'm oh, sorry. wait a minute. I forgot, forgot about that one. I actually reviewed that one a few years ago, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's not super awesome, but it was it was good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a completionist as I as I've talked about before on the show, and and so I have seen the entire X Men franchise, but I wish that there was some way that X three did not have to exist in the franchise, but it does. Uh, Thinking about terrible. first class for a minute, something that I really enjoy is historical fiction, and I don't care how crazy it is. Usually, I'm just a little bit partial to it, and it didn't matter that they were superheroes or that they completely, you know, like changed the, the direction of you know history itself by how they doctored it up. It was rather engaging. I mean, like I just I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, and we and we don't see that kind of thing very often done effectively. So it was kind of cool to see it coming out of superheroes. So anyone who can, I would recommend, yeah, catch that film because that sort of is the origin story to the past story in days of future past. So, yeah. And I definitely like, like, um, uh, revisionist history, if you will. Not, I don't like it as when you're actually teaching history, but as far as movies go, like like um, uh, when they they make things different. Obviously, the past of X Men of, of the X Men universe is different from our past, and and that's fun. I like that. You know, you you get to see a similar world, but it's different. Obviously, the paths diverged somewhere. You know, right? Um, and that's fun. Uh, anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up, though, is because I, I just – these studios need a new model to operate on, and they're operating on this old one, and they're just trying to nickel and dime us, and why don't they just release the extended cut already for us? And it's just frustrating to me. Hmm. Well, they're trying to make it a, like a collector's item, right, though? I mean, wouldn't you think that they would come out with a very basic set or should uh, just say the movie when it comes out for home entertainment? And it's justifiable if they wanted to take their time to get good interviews and, and cut those together and make a decent featurette. And if but, they but want Joe, to how long a super do you suppose, cut of the film. How long do you suppose they've had to do that already, though? I mean, the movie's been in theaters for a little while. I don't know. It's yeah, it does, it, you're right. You actually, you, you got a strong point there. It does seem like it's led by sales alone because <laughs> I bet you is. anything, the studio has got the product basically just sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Yep. You don't want to drag out the production any longer than it needs to be. Yeah. And what I'd really like, what I mean, ideally what I'd like is for this, uh, the extended cut to be available, um, as a, uh, well, I'd like for it to be on Netflix, but that's not going to happen. Um, so ha! an iTunes purchase. So that, that would be ideal is a extended iTunes, extended cut. Are iTunes you giving purchase. up on Blu-ray? No, I mean, I ha- I mean, Blu-ray is the only way to buy these days, mostly, uh, which frustrates me. I'd rather have it all digital. But, um, I mean, if you want, you know, the, some of the special features, if you want the extended cuts, usually, you know, um, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I have way more Blu-ray. I think we talked about this last week. I have way more Blu-rays than I ever wanted to have and more than I ever thought I would have. But it's just it's just the only way to do it sometimes. Right. So Of course. Yeah. It's not like we're going to get LPs for movies again. <laughs> no. Well, hey, should we move on to the next bit of movie news? Yeah, one other movie trailer worth seeing this week, TJ, is one out for Johnny Depp's upcoming film called Mordecai. The minute you walked in the joint, I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender, good looking, so refined. Say, wouldn't you like to know what's going on in my mind? Mordecai. Mordecai. Charlie Mordecai. Bit of a moron, actually. Oh, I believe I've just shot John. Excellent shot, sir. Man down. Mordecai is a very wealth, wealthy, idiotic man. <laughs> and it seems to be all about his antics with uh, his flamboyant, extravagant lifestyle and uh, very little brain. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's, I'm seeing a touch of English, uh, like British style humor in here. Oh, well, I mean, he's, he's, also pl- he's playing a British guy. Yeah, but also the American flair too. And, and I agree with some of your thoughts on moviebyte.com where you talked about it. You'll have the link in the show notes that it feels like they took some ideas from Get Smart and other films that have an international quality to them, but they still also feel very American. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Like my wife is a huge fan of Johnny Depp, so I know we'll probably see this one in theaters. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. The trailer looks entertaining for me. I, 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 you know, the older I get, the more I, I'm really getting into comedy and uh, the lighter-hearted stuff. I, um, my suspension of disbelief is growing because it just makes the entertainment, I guess, a little bit richer. And uh, I, I'm, I'm less interested in uh, Man Against the Odds. <laughs> Uh, this, this, so I don't know if this is a good as if this is as good a comedy as the trailer makes it out to be. I'll be a very happy ticket buyer. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of likened it in when I posted the trailer to a, a cross between Johnny English and Get Smart. Have you seen Johnny English? I think so. I know I saw Get Smart. Johnny English, I can watch about every five years, uh, and but it, it's very almost painful humor. It's it's so yeah, yeah. just stupid. And Get Smart is at to me much much more of a, a type of humor that I, I I it's not as painful to me. Like it can My be painful. My in-laws love that film. I, I don't enjoy one? it nearly as much as they do. Which Get one? Smart. Oh yeah, it's great. I love it. I love Get Smart. Eh, it's okay. <sighs> Steve Carell's oh. done way better. I'm sure he has, but I like Get Smart. I'm I'm very partial to it. Uh, this feels like a cross between the two, where it 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 leans stupider than Get Smart. I think. Oh yeah, uh, but but not quite as stupid as Johnny English. That's that's kind of why I say it, it reaches a middle ground. Of course, there's uh you know there's Johnny Depp being you know Johnny Depp. Uh, it's it's like let's see what happens if we make him a suave and sophisticated you know idiot Englishman. And uh, <laughs> it um, says here on IMDb that it is being directed by David Coop. And he is, or is that cop, 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 kep? I don't know. He's got too many letters in that very simple name. But he is known for his work on Spider-Man, Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, War of the Worlds. Okay, so this guy's, yeah, he's a keeper. So 
this yeah. looks like it's going to be a good film. Yeah, I expect it. I mean, don't, you know, don't rush. Don't take your kids out to it. I mean, I expect it to oh, be no, pretty no, crass. No. Oh, yeah. Um, which is also starring Gwyneth Paltrow, Ewan yes. McGregor, and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, a pretty decent uh, cast. Um, oh, you know. and Paul Bettany. Ah, okay. There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're used to, I mean, I don't let my kids watch Pirates of the Caribbean, but I know some people do. Um, you know, my, my oldest is seven still, and, uh, I, I expect in a few years, maybe it'll be fine. Uh, but this, this certainly looks to be more, way more crass than Pirates. Um, well, yeah, know. it's clearly adult entertainment. It's yes. not being pitched as, you know, well, I mean, like, honestly, I think the people who would be attracted to this film are people over the age of 30. And then anybody under that would be people who are just fans of Johnny Depp. Yeah, well, Just I mean, by the looks of the trailer, you know, it's it's going to be very Johnny Depp. <laughs> you know, I mean, very much so. This is this is basically Johnny Depp playing Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Oh yeah, that's this is what it is for sure. Uh, I give him more intelligence than what I see coming out of Mordecai. I mean, he has a range, but he's still like Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, but it also feels like the other actors are having fun along in the trailer oh, like they're sure. just along for the ride but at the same time they're not just rolling their eyes because it's a great big show off of johnny depp's talents as you know a comedian but it also feels like they're actually enjoying themselves along the way at the same it's like they're self-aware they know what their place is and even so in their presence in the trailer i, I felt like they were giving me a good vibe so that yeah. that's that's mordecai and when is that coming to theaters Let's see, did I put it? I already closed the, the link. Did I put it in the link? Uh, February the sixth, which yeah. is it's not tr- traditionally a great time, but we've been seeing no, a lot of shakeup. We've been seeing a lot of shakeup in that though that formula. We need to talk about that a little bit more sometime. We should. Um, it, it's it's one of the more interesting changes that are is going on in Hollywood. Well, I mean, I think we talked a little bit. Uh, did we talk about it with Guardians? Because this is certainly a shakeup too. Well, that was something that. Fizz alluded to, and I think that we've also alluded to it in the previous episode, but yeah, it's, it's something that I'm beginning to see as well. And I think that if we did a little digging, I bet you there was something that we could probably talk about because it it used to be, well, we won't talk about it now if we don't have material, but I'm willing to bet you that we are onto something. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and we're not the only ones noticing the trend. Like, I, I feel like studios are saying, why do we have these lulls? Why do we wait to release until here? Why, why don't we put out our good movies here and just reset people's expectations? Um, let, let, let's not dump, uh, stupid stuff like, uh, um, what was that one that, uh, it was, was it earlier this year? I don't even remember. Um, Jeremy Renner and, uh, the, the, the red-haired English girl, um, see hansel and gretel hansel and gretel yes and it's like let's not dump our stupid movies in in february you know let's let's actually put a good one out and see what happens uh so yeah hansel and gretel i'm trying to think of of the girl's name Gemma Gemma arterton that's who i was thinking of who who played gretel and uh jeremy renner played uh, hansel uh famke jansen so anyway um yeah i mean there's definitely a shift going on in the uh in, in in that kind of thinking so i really don't have more to say about that me neither. Mordecai so trailer. Like go check it out. For the, thank you. Yes. Mordecai trailer. It's good. Watch it. Yeah. All right. So we have a review. It's time. Yes. Let's talk about Lucy. I used to be just like you. Vulnerable. Uncertain. Frightened of death. Then everything changed only 12 hours ago. Please, we can't do I haven't done anything. I'm begging you, please. Miss 
slipped a packet of something very special into your stomach, and you're going to transport it for us. Comply with the rules, and nobody gets hurt. I'm not in the mood. It is said that we humans only use 10% of our cerebral capacity, but... What if there was a way of accessing 100% of our brain? What might we be capable of? Okay, so TJ, do us the honors. You're you're better off with uh, listing the stats. Okay, so Lucy was released on July the 25th of 2014. So we're a couple of weeks, uh, or, or what, two weeks beyond that. That was two weeks ago. Um, a budget of 40 million. Uh, opening weekend was 43.8 million. The worldwide gross thus far is 128.7 million. So you know it's not really hurting. It's not probably as good as they were hoping for with with star power like Scarlett Johansson. Uh, the critical acclaim from Rotten Tomatoes is that the enthusiastic and silly, enthusiastic and silly Lucy powers through the movie's logic gaps with cheesy thrills plus Scarlett Johansson's charm and mostly succeeds at it. <clears throat> we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> it is a sci-fi action film. The director is Luc Besson. Uh, I don't know if I have said that correctly. Besson. Besson. He's French. Uh, and he was also the writer. It does scar, 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 star, starlight. Yes, yes. It does star Scarlett Johansson, Morgan Freeman, uh, Min Si Choi, and Amir Wecht. Uh, those are obviously like uh, Korean or, or Oriental names of some kind. Well, the uh, last guy, he was French too. M.R. Wakad. Okay. I'm not exactly sure. I'm, yeah. I'm, I know I'm brutalizing that. So The composer was Eric Serra, and we don't have any of our music guys on here to help us out with that. Um, I, but I, I, hey, I'm, hey, I'm a soundtrack guy, just you know, not as crazy about it as the others. Yeah, you're, you're a passive uh, soundtrack listener. You're like, and, me. you're like me, I think. So here is everything that I want to say about the soundtrack for Lucy. First of all, I've never heard of the composer, and I felt that the soundtrack was completely forgettable. Absolutely. I completely agree that he did do something a little interesting at the beginning and end of the film. And that's really the only thing I remember. And, and I'm not saying it was that interesting. It was just a little bit different. Um, right. Well, in that vein, that was kind of true about other films that have gone before this one. And as we talk about this more, we'll probably mention this again and again. But it reminded me of like some of the highest points of the film craft for Lucy were very reminiscent of some of our other favorite action films. One of those that came to mind for me were the Bourne trilogy. And if you remember the Bourne films, they have a rather consistent, steady-paced, um, like uh, uh, rhythm-driven soundtrack. But it, it's at the very beginning of the film and the very end of the film that you it really comes into its themes. And then during the whole of the film, you just don't get that uh, theme very much. Not and in yeah. that way, it was kind of uh, similar, paralleling. Bourne's uh, uh, like composition style. I'm not saying it's as good, but I could see it there. I do want to point out that this composer did compose the score for Golden Eye, uh, which is a James Bond film that I have not yet seen, but I will. Uh, and The Fifth Element, which is a film that I love, but I cannot remember the music to. So it's possible that he just writes forgettable scores. Sure. And going back to Golden Eye, it actually made a really decent soundtrack for the Golden Eye video game, but I don't remember it being especially compelling in the movie itself. And I think it was nice as a reboot for the James Bond franchise, but it wasn't necessarily what made the James Bond franchise reboot that special. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, Joe, uh, which one of us do you want to read the story? Uh, let me please. Okay. I, I really love the storylines. That's, okay. that's my, that's my that's kind of your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I wrote this storyline and that doesn't mean it's going to be any better for it, but here we go. Lucy is your average American living and studying in downtown Tape 
Taiwan. Is that how it's pronounced? I have no idea. And Clark is not here to help us. Uh, but Clark doesn't know his, you know, Korean that well or his Japanese or, or, or his Taiwanese or whatever it is. That it, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're so, we're so cultured, Joe. <laughs> we're going to get so many emails for this. Please email Joe. <laughs> okay. So Lucy what is your email is, address, Joe? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. At no. <laughs> Lucy is your average. Okay. Let me see this again, because this is important to note. Okay. Lucy is your average American living and studying in downtown Taiwan. So, Right at the get-go, it was not exactly clear to me why the woman would be overseas, but she is. Okay, so be it then. One not-so-average day, she's tricked into working as a drug mule with her boyfriend, whose employer is a Korean mob boss and drug lord named Mr. Jang. The drug cartel indentures Lucy and others to smuggle CPH4 drugs that are sewn into their intestines in plastic pouches. But unluckily... Lucy gets kicked in the abdomen by one of Mr. Jang's thugs, which causes the bag to erupt and flood her bloodstream with CPH4's bloody blue powder. The drug is known to be unstable and causes sudden death, but for Lucy, she begins a strangely wonderful and frightening transformation as her mental capacity climbs from the mere 1 or 2% of most average humans to a grand 100% over the course of the film. I just want to point out that's actually 10%. Eh. Well, we could all judge whether or not Lucy was using 10% at the beginning of the film. <laughs> that's true. You're right. Lucy was using 2%. <laughs> Lucy takes it upon herself to use her ever-expanding superpower-like abilities to stop Mr. Jang, turn the drugs into the authorities, and pass on her newfound brilliance to Professor Norman, the only man on earth that might be able to help Lucy before her body overloads and destroys itself from the side effects of CPH4. That's the story. Yeah. And uh, I'm giving a little bit away, but at the same time, I'm really not. I'm kind of misleading you. So all you you spoiler freak, the freaks out there that shy away, don't, don't worry about it. I'm not really telling you anything. Let's put it this way, Joe. What the heck is there to give away in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's well, nothing there's nothing point, there is nothing to give away in this movie because it doesn't ever go anywhere it's so frustrating it's 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 mm. it's like i told you last night the first thing i did when i got out of the theater is i i sent you an instant message i'm like um that movie was full of half-baked ideas and 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 half-finished script that never went anywhere and even the scenes felt like they would always introduce a new moment of something that might happen but then it, nothing happened and that kind of thing happened over and over again like for instance there was a plane scene a little bit over uh uh, half over halfway into the film there was a significant event that was taking place on a plane and then all of a sudden it just cuts to the next moment and we don't know how we got there yeah but we're in a hospital and a lot of time has transpired and it, it doesn't make any sense it was like they cut out something in the movie that may have been five minutes long absolutely it, it you know there's this insane thing happening on a plane i won't say what it is because it's kind of a i suppose you'd call it a spoiler but like this insane thing is happening and you need to know how it gets resolved and we never find out how it gets resolved it's like ooh, this thing it's crazy it's bad it's 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 going to you know kill her and it's done and the thing is over and 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 what is she gonna do and then she's just in the next scene moving on now moving on now i mean it was just like what the what 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 just happened i don't even know what just happened um 
it uh it, it's a very uh kind of a uh, a flaky movie in its editing style and its presentation style like it has this motif that it does at the beginning where it's cutting back and forth between these random shots of nature and like this you know this this uh leopard circling its prey which is a very <laughs> weak and like like you talk about on the nose, like, like it's, it's like you see this thing that's about to happen and then you're seeing this thing in nature that would say, Oh, this is the, this is the uh, allegory that we're going for. Get it, get it, get it. I mean, it's just really bizarre. I don't, I don't know. Did, did you feel that way about them? The- yes, I totally agreed. Like when I saw that it was so much on the nose, it was like documentary footage of a leopard attacking and killing. Yeah. A- and uh, you know an, another animal, <laughs> I forget what those were. Antelopes, not exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, and it, but at the same time, it was like okay, well, apparently there might be like a ongoing metaphor that we see throughout the film using nature here, uh, and and maybe that actually turns out to have something to do with Lucy. But as it turned out, it was only for that one scene, and in the rest of the film, never went back to that gimmick. Right, and there After- was no other corollary. It didn't even make it that, that that motif didn't even finish out the first act like they kind of just gave it up and, and, and like just stopped using it. And like if they had some found some way like I kept expecting, oh, I this is really weird, but it's going to tie in in some way like they're really going to make this work. And, and and I suppose we can talk about this now. You know, what kind of attracted me to this film? And unfortunately, I started seeing the reviews. I'm like, oh, man, because I really was looking forward to this film in the beginning when I was seeing the trailers and stuff. And none of this, by the way, I, I would argue very heavily that what we were promised in the trailer is not what we got in the film. Um, but so like, I don't even know where to go with this. So I was drawn to this movie for some of the, 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 the themes in the film, you, you know, or what we were promised <laughs> as themes in the film, like this, this average girl who takes this drug and is transformed into a superhero, but she's slowly losing her humanity and she's got to figure out how to deal with that. Well, the movie never really gives us good answers for that. Like, it, it's well, just, you remember when there. we were talking with TJ and Fizz uh, over the last two films that we talked about this question of is there a problem for films that don't really resolve anything or give answers to anything that they introduce as real problematic like is situations? And the argument can be made from some people that you know the world is just top full of questions and problems, but you know answers are few and far between. So it's only natural that the movies should follow that order. And uh, but what you're saying is is that you feel like not only were there no re- resolutions, how it, 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 there came to a climax, and how there came about a, uh, a, a the smallest of like I guess you could say happy endings or whatever you want to call that, it just didn't feel like it went anywhere after Act One. Right. Everything yeah, and, and- was un- everything was unresolved. Like the, even Act Two was unresolved. Yeah, and I would I would argue differently from what I would with Snowpiercer. Where Snowpiercer tried to give us some answers. It did it did leave very specific questions unanswered. Uh, and it answered some questions in a very unsatisfying way. Um, but mostly Snowpiercer just left questions unanswered and left it up to you. And that's a very conscious choice. I would say this film tried to answer the questions and it failed to do so. And that's a far worse crime in my opinion. Right. I totally agree, TJ. Well, how about we go back and cover just a few of the likes? I mean, for what it's worth, I just want to say up front, guys, I think it's pretty obvious here. Like, you saw the trailer, you saw that Scarlett Johansson and Morgan Freeman were in it, and you know how likable they are. Yeah, both So you of them. thought, I'll give this a try. And for what it's worth, Scarlett and Morgan are likable actors, and they demonstrate that they are still at the top of their game, even in a movie like this. Oh, even on they a bad can, script, for sure. Yeah. Right. So they can do a lot with 
otherwise weak direction and a sorry script. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed both of them. I, I, I always enjoy Morgan Freeman, uh, even in role, even in films that are not great. He does does a, a fantastic and superb job. He has he has a a wonderful sense of timing in his delivery. He has a wonderful voice. Of course, I, I would kill to have that voice. Uh, no, I wouldn't actually kill, but but I, I mean, I would love to have that that deep, you know, very uh, deep and velvety, you know. Uh, <laughs> you can only dream, TJ. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. definitely only dreaming, but it would be wonderful. To have that wonderful voice and to narrate my own life you know you, you've uh-huh. seen that thing right that morgan freeman has narrated his own life <laughs> mm. Mm. um yeah um it's, it's just he's he's a fantastic actor and he's so wasted here like he has nothing yeah. really good to do here even well, though i enjoyed his screen his time character his character is professor norman and he is introduced at the near the beginning and you see him a lot throughout the film he doesn't really have much to do except for this one key moment where he is talking to Lucy for the first time and he gives her a piece of advice. But apart from that, he doesn't have much to do except to give running commentary to the audience about what it is that Lucy is going through and what it symbolizes for the greater whole of the world and the universe as we know it. Yeah. So I found that (laughs) rather an interesting device that, you know, Morgan Freeman, the guy who was known for narrating documentary films and waxing poetically and eloquently and just sounding so mature and methodical and intelligent. And here we have him like in a fictional setting doing the same thing, but uh, telling you fictional things that are supposedly true about the universe that are clearly not. But because Morgan Freeman said it and because he is a professor in the movie, it must be intelligent because it sounded like it must be true because it's morgan freeman's voice yeah and 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 that speaks to the greater problem with the movie it, you know a lot of people have complained about this film because it's supposed to be scientific and it talks about this uh idea i, I remember when i was a kid it was a thing like we only use 10 percent of our brains and and if we what if we could use 15 or 20 oh my goodness think of the things we could do and that sort of theory that idea has kind of long been debunked but but you know it that, that doesn't actually bother me too much because you're you're in a sci-fi fantastical world and you just have to accept certain things are 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 the way they are in a sci-fi setting that being said um like i said it didn't bother me too much but it didn't bother me because it's like well we've already debunked that science why don't we go try why don't we just explain it a different way um you know i I don't know so and you're, you're absolutely right you know, Morgan Freeman is, is giving this very convincing delivery as a scientist or a professor at a, a thing, and, and you're like, well, it's supposed to be very um, – uh, uh, what's the word you used? Um, very uh, – um, Intellectual? Intellectual, yes. It's supposed to be the thing that I am not. Uh, <laughs> it is supposed to be very intellectual, and, and you kind of trust him and believe him because of his great performance, and yet you know it's like, well, none of this makes any sense from any, any current understanding of science that we currently have. <sighs> right. Well, and I grant you, though, it's actually born out of a bunch of uh, hypotheticals and theories that go back from to philosophy more so than science. The yes, film, the, yes. The problem here is that you, a couple of people, philosophers, have got together and they've put together this um, this ideal that is basically something that is a worldview that is called materialism. And they they said, well, how could we put some meat and bones on this thing? And what if it were a sci-fi action? What would that look like? And I think that that's a great premise for a lot of writers and where they that's a good starting point that creates a lot of good stories. Unfortunately, 
the material that you have with the worldview called materialism is not so hot. And as it plays out in the film, which is a, a very poetic version of it, it's just, uh, it's very disappointing. And it's something that I don't think the audience can really connect to unless you happen to be one of the few that genuinely believes this stuff. Because there are people, TJ, that actually believe this stuff. And I mean, okay, if that's where you, if that's your thing, there's also people who believe in the force. But I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you that it's, you know, um, I don't believe in fairies. And I, I certainly don't think that, you know, there's, you know a place on the other side of the galaxy where star Wars exists. Yeah. Well, so, if you could just um, get there, Joe, if you could just get to that other, the uh, galaxy far, far away, then the force exists there. It's just, it's just the force doesn't actually exist in our universe, but if you are in our galaxy, but if you go to that galaxy far, far away, that's where it is. And that's, and so these people that follow the force, that's, that's, it's okay. They just need to for, get there. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 to their credit, the movie is not trying, I don't think deliberately to suggest that the materialist worldview is true about our real world. It's only using it as a plot device for this story to make up a very imaginative, somewhat fanciful action flick. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was all about the entertainment value. And I guess that they, they thought they had a good idea and they ran with it. And that was why you got star power like Scarlett Johansson and Morgan Freeman that were willing to participate in this film with a director that's relatively unheard of. And he's done some other films like these TJ, but he's not uh, that well known, not to American audiences. And so he really had not yet been tested. And I guess it was that the hmm. studio, the star power and the idea, the concept being a, a, a rather unique one was why the film ever made it to the screen in the first place. I do have to point out that he directed The fil- the Fifth Element, which is a pretty fantastic sci-fi film. It has its uh, issues. It has its yeah. issues. But that was in 1997. I would not call him an unknown um, I would just call him like like he you know one hit it, wonder <laughs> mm, I suppose um, he's got a couple others in here that I, I at least know the name of I've never seen um, okay. so I, I I don't know if it's quite fair to say that he's an unknown and untested director and again this is where we need Clark Douglas to chime in yeah because he's seen uh, however many he's movies you everything. and I have seen collectively he's seen twenty times that or more uh, yes <laughs> which is why he's always great to have on the show but um, he is a walking IMDb it, this, this reminds me of that uh, in 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 season. Uh, I was, think it was season 10 of Stargate SG-1 and, and this was two seasons after a very main character had left the show and they're having a kind of a 100 episode uh, retrospective and, and they say well how do you it's interesting I, I don't quite, quite know how to explain this except that they're they're talking about another show that's being made right on the show so a show being made on the show. And uh, he says, uh, "How do you how do you get away with a character leaving? Like we just had this character leave, and what, we don't know what to do." He's like, "Oh, just have your have your writers write him into the script a lot. Have them mention him off screen a lot." <laughs> I feel like that's what, that's what we're doing with Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Site uh, rabbit trail. Uh, we never. That's okay. We, we never take rabbit trails. We never. Well, yeah. No, never. 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 Uh, so it's okay. We'll, we'll take that out in, in post. So yeah, it's never gonna. It, it'll never be in the show. Um. So so I want to talk a little I, bit about. Lucy as a character. Um, who, oh yeah, uh, is this under your likes or dislikes? Yes. 
Okay. Um, I, I, I thought that she could have been an interesting character. She started out as an interesting character. She was thrust into the situation that she wanted no part of and didn't know. She's this, you know, she was portrayed as a stupid American girl in this foreign country with this stupid, taken in by the stupid guy who's getting her to do this task that's obviously shady. Um, and even, you know, even at that, she tried to get away from it a little bit. Like she, I think she was sensing a little bit of danger there. Um, it, but I, I liked that. And, and then, you know, this film just sort of throws you right in where, where her, the girl, the guy that hired, that got her to do the thing was, uh, and, spoiler alert, I suppose. We'll just call spoilers and we'll talk about whatever we want. So spoiler alert. Um, you know, he's, he's killed immediately by these, uh, these ruffians that are trying, that, that eventually get her to be the drug mule, right? And, and you get up to this really grisly and gritty scene and this guy, you know, he's this, this, uh, uh, was he Chinese, uh, or, Korean. Korean, yeah. He was Korean. Um, he, uh, oh man, we're going to get so much email. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, it's not that I, I'm not racist or anything, but, uh, boy, I should just well, stop. Well, the movie doesn't really do it itself any favors <laughs> yeah, because it, it was set in Taiwan. Yeah, it was weird. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, I loved his character at first, at least, how he was just sort of, um, you know, he, he went behind the wall and opened the case, you know, and he's, he's smoking the cigarette and, uh, it was, and, and that, that scene is just wonderfully cut, you know, how it's building up this tension to where, um, she's, she's gets, she, he gives her the combination and he goes behind the wall in case there's an explosive charge in the thing. And it's just very wonderfully cut. And, you know, you've got that puff of cigarette as she opens the case and it's, it's just a really wonderful scene. And really, that's probably the best thing this film has to offer in terms of right. that. There are yeah, no it was other. Very strong. Yeah, it was a very well cut, very strong scene. Other than, I mean, and, and, but that's the most interesting scene in the film. There are no other interesting set pieces in this film. Lucy started out interesting, and then she started losing her humanity as this drug began to take over her body, and she did so in the most uninteresting way possible. The one time they went to try to say, oh, well, she's trying to maintain her connection to humanity is the guy that she got to tag along, and, and he's like, why am I even with you? You don't need me. And she's like, a reminder. But 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 we as the audience are going, no, really, why? Because it doesn't make sense. Like, what do you mean a reminder? She never uses him as a reminder. In the end, he's just cannon fodder. It makes no sense. It didn't, his character had no purpose. And she was not that interesting. And where the more she went was not that interesting. Ah, oh, can you tell I'm just frustrated by this film, Joe? Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just didn't do anything interesting. Okay, it, but here's the, here's the real uh, disappointment with Lucy is that if you're going to uh, present this character that has a lot of personality at the beginning, and then she gains mental superpowers so that she is able to uh, change the shape and form and purpose of matter to look like any other sort of like living creature, or she's able to basically control time itself and where she is in the world, in the universe, as we know it that she's able to break the you know the ideas of like gravity and um you know the need to breathe and all these other things ultimately you'd think that ultimately they would use all these special abilities to do something really interesting and remarkable but two things happen here one lucy doesn't know what to do with all these powers except to try and save herself until she gets good advice from professor norman well, and What's in fact, is in fact she the, kills several people that she didn't have to kill. Yeah. And when she gets this advice from Professor Norman, it's like off the cuff. It's his first suggestion. She's like, hey, Professor Norman, I'm brilliant now. What am I supposed to do with all this brilliance? And I, I, <laughs> right. you know, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. But what should I do with this? I can blow everybody's minds. But what should I do? And she, it's like she doesn't know. 
even though it's very plain, she's already confessed that she's read everything that Professor Norman has ever written in just a, a flash on her computer. So, and she says that she could, you know, quote it from memory. So surely she's already got the answer in there somewhere, right? You would you know, think. Like going back to Born Identity, that guy didn't know what he knew. But whenever he was put into a difficult situation, all of a sudden his action skills would come back to him and he would understand his training and he was able to use it from muscle memory. But with Lucy, she doesn't have any of that kind of like special knowledge and training. However, she's her brain capacity here, TJ. She's basically, okay, think about it, people. The whole human history for all of our discoveries and inventions and epiphanies all combined, you can ima- imagine for yourself where we are today. It is the sum total of human knowledge, experience, and communication. The good and the bad and the ugly. Okay, by the standard of the movie, all of that that we have done was done with less than 10% of all of our brain's capacity. With Lucy, when she's asking Professor Norman what she should do with herself She's well over 40% of her capacity, and that should tell you that she should have all kinds of answers and insights into the world that we don't have. But for all of that, she, she doesn't have anything with all that special knowledge. Yeah. That was so disappointing. N- not too bright for Lucy's advanced IQ people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I just I, I just had a problem with you know, if she if she's advancing all getting all this knowledge. Like, why is she just going around killing people in cold blood? What what about that makes – I wanted to explore more. Like, why is she losing her humanity because of this? I, it, yeah, she's not a very smart person for a smart person. It makes no sense. And, and ultimately, this the story is about her becoming a god, if you will. Um, and that's just not interesting. It's just not interesting. Speaking of the godlike quality, it's um, it's 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 not in, – it's like you said. It's, it's not interesting – because it, it, there doesn't seem to be a a, 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 a good use for it. it. Like it doesn't actually do do the story any favors. There isn't. It's not like Lucy is seeking transcendence. No. It's not like she wants transcendence or that she's trying to evade transcendence. It's not like she's trying to go on to a better place and she's trying to benefit humanity in another way. It's just that it is what it is and it's what's happening and. Uh, Lucy doesn't really have an opinion about it except that she's curious with knowledge itself and the, that comes by way of matter. So she's okay with the fact that she is becoming like electrons and cells and she's not going to be a human as we know it anymore. And supposedly TJ, this is what would happen to everybody in the human race. If we all got that to 100%. Apparently what, what, but, but, TJ, she she can only maintain her new state of being as the god as we know it in the material universe by basically thriving off of computer technology. Yeah. <laughs> she, so what good is she as a godlike being if we peons who've created civilization as we know it weren't around? 
Yeah, and it, it, it's it's stupid because when she yeah. attains 100%, like it's flashing 98, 99, and then 100% and she disappears. Like she becomes one with the nature around her or something. It's it's this, you know, it's it's another aspect of the worldview that's kind of messed up. It's this uh, knowledge is everything. You know, like knowledge is what makes us who we are, and the more knowledge, the better we are. And it's it's worshiping, you know, creatures uh, and, and the knowledge that we can attain. And it just it, – it, 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 that's just not the way – the world really is and 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 it's it's just silly you know we already called spoilers but i i just the whole ending just really like they even even i would say even 15 minutes before the end like they could have turned it around and made it a film that i enjoyed but 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 yeah it, it just never like the ending just didn't do anything um and and she's like you know, it, it was obvious, of course, to, to the Professor um, Freeman character. Um, what was his name? I don't remember. But Morgan Freeman's character, like what, Norman. You know, and and then this is yeah. where they started getting into a little oh something weird's going on on the screen. So let's tell you about it instead of letting you figure it out. You know, and he, and he's like, well, this is obviously a new supercomputer that she's constructing with her mind. You know, and then the end of that is what well, it produces a thumb drive and then crumbles into dust. Like what? what I don't even it doesn't even compute. Like and all the knowledge that she talked about by gaining 100% of the use of her brain that she was going to save for him fits on a thumb drive? What? That, 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 I just I, I can't even process it. It doesn't make any sense. On a USB thumb drive. Yes, yes. It must be like, you even, know. Even USB 3, like the amount of data that that thing must contain according to Lucy because it's so much data couldn't be transferred off that thing in a thousand years at USB 2 But oh, Did you notice too? It was no ordinary thumb drive because uh, as Professor Norman's like, uh, you know, turning it, it over in sparkling. his fingers, <laughs> it was sparkling as though to peer into its black casing, you were actually seeing space on the other side. Jeez. Oh, <sighs> yeah, and and her like traveling through time as she was gaining like at, at 90, 95, 97, 98%, like just none of it made any sense. Well, for what it's worth, like the special effects weren't perfect, but they did some outlandish things. Sure. And uh, for the most part, they still executed the story well enough. Like in terms of film craft and its pr- production qualities, its animations, its special effects and visual effects, it was clearly a high budget film. Um, they did a lot with the with the budget that they had, and uh, I found that impressive because what they were pushing here were some very um, uh, uh, just in, in zany uh, type of types of um, special effects. Basically, where she was jumping back and forth through time and space, and it, it'd be very easy to lose track with the audience or to not sell those transitions and you know where she was and why she was there. But we at least were able to kind of follow why she did it at the end of the film. Oh, I don't even want to go there. It, it, it's it's just kind of pointless. It's very pointless. It, it's, it's very pointless. Like why even remark on it? But I want to go back to something else that kind of bugs me as the greater whole of the film. I alluded to earlier, and I wanted to touch upon this again. The action and um, the overall vibe of the film feels like it kind of borrows from other sci-fis that we know and other action films that we know. So I saw like um, stylistic elements taken from Star Wars and uh, The Matrix, The Bourne Identity, X-Men, uh, the, the other movie with Angelina Jolie called Salt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see little elements here and there, a mix mash. And, you know, in a, in a way, those stylistic choices for the story uh, were appealing 
because they didn't take bad. You know, I don't think the director and the production team chose the wrong elements, but in their execution, it felt like they were stale. It felt like they were um, un, un, underdone. <laughs> they were just uninteresting in their execution. And, if, and for instance, one thing that was uh, especially annoying to me, TJ, was that most all of the action sequences are um, uh, nullifying themselves. So uh, Lucy walks into a hallway and it's full of bad guys with guns and martial arts skills. Mm -hmm. They are ready to die. And she doesn't fight them. She doesn't know any hand-to-hand combat. She just uses her mind to like grab hold of them with the force (laughs) and and move them out of her way. And they they're forced to drop their guns. They're forced to be speechless. They they're just struggling against the thin air. And she walks in and gets what she wants and walks away. Then later she's in a car chase and, you know, again, all of the born identity, but then unlike the born film, there's nothing really clever happening here. Like all she's got to do is use her brain power to know how to manage the car effortlessly and literally like shove all the other cars in the road out of her way. And because she has very transcendent intelligence, she even knows things that are going on around her that you know, like doesn't make any sense. Like she's aware of the people in the building and on the sidewalk around the corner on the next block. Well, she can it, feel everything, Joe. She, and not only can she feel everything, but she can process everything instantly. And, and, and she just knows what she's going to do without any mistake, without any flaw. So again, any given moment that there was a a possibility of interesting action, it was all canceled right after it was introduced. Yep, I completely agree. <sighs> I'm depressed. <laughs> oh, don't be depressed. It's just a stupid movie, TJ. Yeah, I know. I've got nothing else, though. Have you got anything else? Um, I, I could rant a heck of a lot more. Just one other thing that I wanted to say was that it was actually, uh, I mean, like in a, a pathetic sort of way, I, I didn't, I don't begrudge the fact that I spent money on this film because, mm. um, it, it, I kind of care about Morgan Freeman and Scarlett Johansson. They're two actors that I want to follow anyway. Yeah. So if you like those actors, you'll still appreciate what they were able to do. And another like sort of characteristically likable thing about the film that I think that you agree with me on is that there was a very strong sequence at the beginning of the film that was rather long where from the moment that Lucy's boyfriend was tricking her into helping him on his job all the way up to the point that she's got the, the uh, CP for H4 in, in her stomach and it starts to break open. That was a rather long scene and it was also a very uh, good, entertaining scene. And uh, it, it comprised most of Act One. Um, yeah. So w- for what it was worth, uh, it was one of those situations w- that it makes you feel like, you know, well, what would you do if you were in this scenario? And it was uh, captivating for what it was worth. And it's, um, uh, it's B minus like quality of action film storytelling oh what am i gonna say uh, i think we've i think we've nailed it i think we can stick a fork in it what, what is your star rating joe i'll give it one and a half out of five stars my friend 
And would you recommend this film? Nope. I would just say if uh, you've already seen it, well, you know. And if you haven't, uh, go watch Ninja Turtles or something. <laughs> Um, all right. So I give it one out of five. Uh, I do not recommend this film even as a, like a rental on a, when it comes out for rental or video on demand or, you know, whatever bread box, I just don't recommend it. It's just, it's just not, it's just not, <laughs> um, and I think this underscores, uh, the need the, 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 we all want a black widow movie and we can't understand why one is not in production yet. And oh, that was something that I forgot to say. That's what we all thought when we saw this, uh, the original teaser well, trailer. That's what you thought. I never thought it was going to be a Black Widow movie. But No, I, I mean like as a substitute. No, like, I, I, I know what like you a mean. A lot of people felt like that that's what this film would do. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I don't think I ever felt didn't. like it would be a substitute. I felt like it would just be a good, maybe decent Scarlett Johansson movie. It just wasn't. I mean, I think we all yeah. want a good yeah. Black Widow movie. Right. Yeah. Sure. We're we're still waiting. We're still waiting. Come on, Kevin Feige, give us that Black Widow movie. We'd we'd love to have it. We we I want to know more about Black Widow's past. I mean, there's a deleted scene floating around from Captain America two that kind of alludes to some stuff that she's been through that that the uh, the Robert Redford character uh, tells her about and says, "Are you sure you want this public think about this and this and this?" I I'm just I would like to know more about the Black Widow character and what she's been through. Uh, you know, I think that'd be interesting. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Well, uh, IMDb gives this movie, the, the users rate this movie 6.6 6 out of 10 stars and Rotten Tomatoes. The critics are at 63% and the audience is at 48%. So the, the uh, critics do like it more than the audience, um, but not a lot. Uh, and that's that's really all we have to say about uh, Lucy. Terrible film. Uh, don't ever want to see it again. Uh, <laughs> next week, we're going to be talking about either or and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or um the uh, galaxy quest or maybe both i don't know yet joe you and i will will talk about this uh as we have time won't we okay yes let's uh all right and uh in the meantime joe people now that you're back on the show you've come back to life you've 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 come back and you're here with me every week uh and and, and people might want to know where they can follow you at and keep up with your work you're you've you've come back to life and you're writing on joe Dar- on, on not uh is it you tell us the url <laughs> my website is joedarnell.com thank you yeah. tj I, I really appreciate the effort there um and you can also catch up with me on twitter i am underscore joe darnell right which is different from thank the you, i don't remember what your uh your at your username used to be on twitter but it's 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 new now yeah i mean there's there's lots of joe darnell's out there there's a lot of joseph darnell's but, but you're, you're an underscore. underscore that's right you're underscore joe darnell well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at TJ Draper Pro because I am a professional. Just remember, TJ Draper Pro. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. I'd love to get your feedback on this episode. If you have any, you can tweet it at me or at MovieByte, M-O-V-I-E-B-Y-T-E, uh, and we will get that feedback. Uh, you can also go to Facebook.com uh, slash MovieByte and leave comments and uh, reviews for us there. You can see all the articles we post and all the different various things. Leave comments on uh, articles on the website as well or on podcasts even and inter- interact with us that way. I will get notified whenever that happens so we'd love to hear from you we'd love to get your feedback and uh we'd love i just i just like interacting with the listeners so uh, feel free to drop us a line we have several that we interact with on a regular basis so uh, we'd love to add to the fold in that way uh if you want to see where i write every uh week uh day you can go to moviebyte.com that's m-o-v-i-e-b-y-t-e.com and i write a little something there every day sometimes it's a little sometimes it's a lot sometimes it's a review sometimes it's an article whatever you can you can uh, catch me there 
Uh, and that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will be back at you next week with uh, one of the films of War mentioned. See you later, Joe. Good night, TJ. Thank you.